good God, we thank you for this morning. You are so good to us, Jesus.
Let's sing that chorus one more time. We lift up our hands unto you. We bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 There is none like unto you, O Lord, our Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship, we worship, we worship. We worship, we worship. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> Wonderful Savior, wonderful Lord, we worship, we worship, we worship, we worship. Oh, celebrity, da bareva la re la la masure da la re veri andare basuru doloro. Andri son da la re la la langari bangari di veji gene masun doloso sai. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are wonderful. You are worthy. And we worship. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Hallelujah. Thank you for your promises to protect your children, for your promises to provide for your children. You are faithful and true. And Lord, we love you. We lift up, Father, right now, we lift up the Middle East to you. We thank you, Lord. It, you teach Israel's hands how to war, that they're filled with wisdom, 
wisdom from God that you protect them we know your promises to them wisdom for the commanders wisdom for those in charge we thank that you we protect the innocent people Lord involved in it we thank you that the name of Jehovah the name of the Messiah Jesus is exalted in the earth that the world knows that you are the one and only true God hallelujah hallelujah we pray for our families we thank you Lord that you send people across their path to tell them about Jesus and those who don't know you father we claim them to come into the kingdom of God hallelujah that their eyes be open that their hearts be receptive to the gospel we thank you Lord for the reign of God that is falling on the whole earth to soften the hearts of people that hearts of people would be turned to Jesus we thank you for it father in Jesus name if you can agree with that say amen amen praise the Lord hallelujah well before you're seated why don't you greet several people this morning give them a warm welcome and God bless you and then after you've done that you may be seated those of you who are worshiping with us online we're glad that you have joined us praise the Lord we know that you're going to be ministered to today hallelujah Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Well, it's good to be together in church today, and if this is your first time worshiping with us, there's a connect card in the seat in front of you if you wouldn't mind just filling that in, filling that out and slipping it in the offering today as it comes by. We would appreciate that. You can also communicate with their, us with that anytime that you would like, in any way that you would like. This morning, we received, well, I guess it would have been in the middle of the night, uh, we received a... Um, of a video from some friends that we have who are in Lebanon. And uh, actually we have two friends that we know of who are ministering there. One is Keith Hershey, you know, who comes to our church. His ministry is more to the refugees. And then who we heard from today, they sent it to several people. Uh, Matt and Julie Beamer, they are in Beirut, Lebanon, but their ministry uh, has been more to starting Bible schools and training ministers. And um, so they've been uh, overseas for about 30 years. Uh, they've been in um, England, and then they were in Africa, and then now the last, I think it's six or eight years, I don't remember which they've been in, 
Lebanon. And he was sharing that during the time that they've been overseas for these 30 years, he was sharing different, exactly where they were, bombings that have happened. Um, there was even, I don't remember which, which it was, when they even were in England, they lived very close to uh, some bombings. I it might have been in Manchester, but I'm not 100%. Uh, but anyway, how they've been very close to bombings and different hot spots in the world. And he was sharing, uh, they just started, for they just opened um, a Rama, um Bible school to train ministers there in Beirut with 90 students. Now, there are only 5,000 evangelical Christians in all of Lebanon. So this is a great percentage. And apparently the churches there are very uh, kind of territorial. And so the fact that, that these students have come from so many churches and are, um, you know, coming to, to gain more knowledge of the word of God uh, is a miracle. And, um, you know, he also said that, you know, they hear... Overhead, they hear a bombing. They uh, hear even in even where they are in Beirut. And uh, he also said, um, "Don't believe a lot of the media that you see. Hmm, even among you know those who meet, we might think are more reputable, and even Christian media, because he said a lot of it is sensationalized and not true." That's all I'll say. I'll pass that on. He's there on the ground with Matt Beamer. That was a joke. You could laugh. Thank you. Anyway, uh, his point of it all was, in spite of all the bombings and all the things that they have seen going on, gone on where they have been over the last 30 years, the church survives and thrives. And he said that in the midst of everything that's been going on there, you know, the church and the churches that they, that through the Bible schools were started in the areas in England. And then, you know, I don't remember what country in Africa, I'm sorry. But in Africa, he talked about um, how other churches have multiplied out of that. And this, this is what he said. A lot of people have told us, you guys need to leave Beirut because we're very concerned for your safety. And Matt said, we've been there. We've been overseas in these hotspot areas for 30 years. And imagine had we stopped. And he listed the, the number of um, thousands. It's in the thousands of Bible school students who they just don't learn the Bible and then sit. The purpose of to learn the Bible is to do something and reach other people. And he said, imagine if we had run in fear and not stuck with what God had given us to do, then those thousands that we have helped to train and then they've gone and start churches and reached so many for the Lord, that would not have happened. So, you know, with that said, let that be also to us that we stay the course, so to speak, and don't let ever, ever let any 
anything that's of a challenge to us or something that would try to make us stop or be detoured from doing what the Lord has given every single one of us to do to reach people for Jesus, to encourage others, don't let that stop us, amen? Because we never know the lives that we're touching and those that we're reaching and how the kingdom's going forth. So anyway, that is good news from the Middle East. And uh, he asked too that we pray as we did today for peace in the Middle East. Um, he said, because Lebanon is really the only country in the Middle East that, um, that you can, uh, like if you changed from Muslim to Christian, you're not ostracized. I guess there's just more freedom there in Lebanon. So it's a, it's a strategic place. So um, just to kind of let you know, we hear a lot of things of what's going on, but that's something to do with the church that's good news. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to remind you that immediately after the service today, we have a baptism just out the back doors. And then to the left, we invite you to stay with us for that. Tomorrow night, men at 630, join Pastor Chip and the other men at the church for the men's ministry. And then um, in a few weeks on Sunday, October, uh, yes, October the, no, that's the wrong slide. All right, let's guess. Who can get it? I think 29th is it. It's Karen. Karen would know. She is Miss Detail-Oriented. The 29th uh, is our uh, family fall festival, and... Um, Everybody is invited. Uh, I had numerous people who don't have children. They came last year. They had a great time. And so um, join us for that. There's some uh, flyers out at the information center that you can pick up and invite. Invite some family members. Invite friends. It's, so it's not just for children. We do things for all ages. Also, uh, if you would like to bring candy or if you don't want to bring candy, you could bring small prizes. That would also be a great option. Uh, you could just leave it at the information center. There's a designated spot for it out there. And then this year, we're going to have a chili cook-off. And so if you would like to participate in that, uh, we will uh, have a winner of the chili cook-off. And I guess they will be crowned best chili maker in the church. And my daughter tried my recipe over the weekend. She did a really good job. My grandson really liked it. So uh, she'll probably be entering for our family. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're going to have a great time together. So be sure to join us from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock that day. Oh, Jessica. Yes, John and I will be there, and we will help, by the way. Don't text me during announcements, or I'm going to share it with the whole church. <laughs> I'm glad it was something positive. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then we're going to have, you can just mark it on your calendar, uh, the second Sunday, which is mm, the 12th, I think it is. Okay, so this we always have a, um, a Thanksgiving uh, meal. Well, this year, we're going to change it a little, so ears up. We're going to call it, in. well, it's International Thanksgiving is what we're going to have. And um, so we're asking that you bring food, perhaps, from, you know, not everybody serves, 
what might be the traditional Thanksgiving meal. And so maybe from your culture, your country, from your region, uh, we have regional foods that we cook in our family. So we're asking everybody to just bring something that uh, is like your regional food, uh, your uh, food from whatever country you may be from, and um, for that Thanksgiving. So we're going to try something a little bit different. And... Um, we did this one time similar, and we have great cooks in our church. And so anyway, be sure to join us for that. Praise the Lord. Um, then starting uh, today, and I think it's through the 2nd, through November 12th, uh, we're going to be doing um, Samaritan's Burst gift, gift boxes like we always do. Uh, you can find, Dean Roush can serve you in the back of the auditorium. He can give you boxes back there. I think everybody is pretty familiar um, with, uh, with uh, Franklin Graham and this ministry. It's such a blessing. Um, and so they're going to uh, show right now a video um, from their ministry about Samaritan's Purse. Three, two, one! When that shoebox is open, they're overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. Oh, look at how much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoeboxes. They are so happy. You can hear the laughter, you can hear the cheer, that excitement, it goes and goes and goes. Right now we're in Ukraine, and today we've given out the 200 millionth shoebox to a little girl here, so it's a lot of fun. It's a privilege for us to be able to come and to help the people as much as we can. Every box is important, because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about His Son, Jesus Christ. There's so much joy that one gift box can give. They really experience the love of Jesus. At Operation Christmas Show, we celebrate something as simple as the shoe box because God uses it to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We got a full box on This is such an amazing time. We're so happy to be here. This shoebox gift will impact a child's life all year round. We never dreamed we'd have an army of men and women who would come to make this program happen. This is what it's all about, telling others about Jesus. This shoebox is going to 120 different countries where pastors and missionaries are going to use them to bring the gospel to kids. So you may think it's just a simple gift at Christmas time, but it's the gift of the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. When that shoebox leaves that distribution center and it goes around the world, that's not just one person. That's the body of Christ joined together, delivering the good news of the gospel. They go by plane, they go by ship, they go by riverboat, they go by camels, they go by motorbikes. And these boxes go to some of the most remote areas of the world. And every box counts. After receiving shoeboxes, children are invited to participate in the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. These children have just completed 12 lessons in the greatest journey. I believe that discipleship is the key and they are now followers of Christ. They will tell their friends about Jesus. My name is Gladys and I am nine years old. My friend Kemi told me I needed to go with her to church. I wanted to teach her about the Word of God. And when she came to my church, she received a gift box. 
For a long time, I asked my mom for a blanket. When I opened my shoebox, I found a blanket in it. When I came home, I showed it to my mom and she said it was great. I told her about Jesus. Now me, my mom, my grandma and Kemi go to church together. I am certain of one thing. God is my savior. Every box counts. Every box touches a child. It's like a snowflake. There's not one shoebox that is the same. And we are reaching millions of children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of the parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. We are seeing churches being planted, and more and more churches are being built. We will do whatever it takes to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? The joy, the smiles, it changes lives. Every year we see tens of thousands of children discipled. And we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes. Thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes. Amen. Aren't you just so thankful for all the different ministries and different people that God speaks to? We all have a different, uh, a different job, and I'm just so thankful for, for all those who obey the Lord and are reaching people. Amen. Uh, then just a couple of quick dates I'm going to give you. I should have given you this before, but on Sunday, on the uh, when we have the uh, International Thanksgiving, we're going to have a man uh, sing uh, for part of our service. His name is Daniel Rodriguez. He is known as the singing policeman, and uh, he's retired NYPD, uh, and um, he has a wonder, oh, no, no, he's the singing tenor. He's either the singing tenor, the policeman tenor, or something like that. Just Google any one of those and you'll find him. He's a wonderful, a wonderful singer. And he um, has some beautiful songs that he sings, patriotic songs. He's a wonderful believer. He will be with us that Sunday. So you want to invite someone to come with you, both to hear him and Pastor Mike and um, join us in our meal. And then mark on your calendar, Sunday, December 17th in the evening, we're going to have another Christmas concert this year. And um, Daniel Rodriguez is going to be with us along with a man by the name of Leon Lacey. And uh, I didn't know his name, but you would know who all he uh, has collaborated with. He is, um, he's a wonderful believer who is a friend. And um, he, uh, he uh, has written for some of the uh, very top, um, well-known uh, singers that we know of. So anyway, mark that on your calendar. It's going to be a wonderful evening. We will give you more information as it comes along. Praise the Lord. We're going to ask the ushers to come at this time. We're going to receive our offering. Say, I love my pastor's wife, even though she took really long today. Thank, thank you for those two of you that said that. Praise the Lord. Just want to read a scripture before we receive the offering. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You should each give then as you have decided, 
not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. Second Corinthians, then down to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And then lastly, Matthew six twenty one: For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we worship you today with our tithes, with our offerings. And we do it gladly. Thank you that you bless us so that we can bless others. And we purpose, Lord, each of us to do what you give us to do, to reach people every day of our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Father, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the exceeding great and precious promises you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true and that you always honor and perform your word on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's make our confession before we get started. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles with us to Genesis chapter 1. There are some great things that are available to us. The, um, the Hebrew language has some interesting things for us. One that I want to share with you this morning. In Hebrew, the word word and the word thing are the same words. And that reveals to us God's attitude concerning the words that we speak. God's words carry substance. When he declares something, there's reality and there's power in it that is conveyed to us and for us. You know, the, um, the only way, the only time I've ever heard this word used was by magicians. And they say abracadabra. That word is from the Talmud. And it means I create as I speak. Now in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, after God has made everything that fills the earth, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and upon every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. When God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness, it's indicating to us that God placed within man something that separated him from all of the other created things and beings. Man is the only part of God's creation 
that can communicate like God does through words. Now, folks, since this is true, I would submit to you that this is the most important thing for any believer, for any Christian, for every Christian. And that is to believe in the power of his own words. Jesus taught us this when he explained how faith works. Jesus cursed the fig tree and the disciples recognized that the fig tree was dried up from the roots. And Jesus explained how it happened. He said, have faith in God. Probably a better translation of that is have the faith of God, meaning the God kind of faith. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. The believing that your words come to pass should be the most foundational truth for every believer on this earth. We're living in what Paul called perilous times. It certainly speaks to the dangerous times that we live in. But it comes from a root word that means strength reducing. So it's important for us to recognize how God created things to be and how he created things to work so that we can take our place and do the things that he's given us to do. Here we are just one week after the attack that took place upon Israel or against Israel. And Israel's response. Now their response is not unique. It's not any different than they've stated before on what they would do. But this time it seems that there's a greater resolve on their part to do away with the terrorist organizations that surround them. And it seems to have stirred up one of the theological arguments or disagreements that's taken place since the church was born. I want you to look with me to Psalm 83. Verse 1, a psalm or psalm of Asaph. Asaph wrote five or six different psalms. 
and he's identified in the Old Testament as a prophet. The word that's used for him is seer. But that speaks of a prophet's ministry. So he said, keep not thy silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. The word tumult means uproar. It's talking about a, no, a, a, a loud noise. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may no more be in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. That just means they have joined themselves in a war against God. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarenes, Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher is also joined with them. They have opened the children of Lot. Now, let me catch you up a little bit on the backstory of this 83rd Psalm. Psalm 83 is debated about and argued over in theological circles to a great degree. And the reason for it is that people Researchers, rabbis, priests, other religious people or men or leaders can't identify the time period that this is supposed to be supposed to take place. There are a lot of people that believe that Psalm 83 was fulfilled in 1948. When Israel became a nation, there are others that think it was fulfilled in 1967 when Israel fought the Six-Day War and recaptured Jerusalem. I'll remind you of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Those are the scriptures that Tell us about one of the great events that began the tribulation period. The Bible tells us that after the church is raptured and taken up into heaven, that the certain seals are opened up. And the first seal that opens up is the great war the war of Gog and Magog where the enemies of Israel are defeated in one 24-hour period. Now that's one of the first things that takes place in the tribulation period and the church is identified 
in the book of Revelation as being in the presence of God when these seals are opened. So we know the timing of the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war or the war of Gog and Magog against Israel. There are even some people that believe that Psalm 83 is just a second reference to that war that opens the tribulation period. But the people and the nations that are identified in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are not the same ones that are spoken of here in Psalm 83. I'll remind you also that in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, when Jesus is describing the end time events to his disciples, one of the things that he identified was that nation would rise up against nation and kingdom would rise up against kingdom. The word nation there is the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get our word ethnic. So he's talking about people groups. He's talking about races of people being at war with one another. Well, that's what he identifies here in Psalm 83. The tabernacles of Edom. Edom is the, the um, offspring of Esau. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau who were twins. Esau was born just a few minutes before Jacob was. And you may remember that Jacob cheated his brother out of his birthright. You may also remember that Jacob was sent away by his father to find a wife among people, family, inheritance, and descendants of those that were familiar with and friendly with the house of Abraham. He married, he meaning Jacob, married Rachel and Leah. And his, he had dealings that the Bible identifies with his great uncle Laban well, Esau didn't follow his father's advice to choose a wife of friendly descendants. But he, and he married five different wives. And those descendants are the ones that are being spoken of here. The tabernacles of Edom, the tabernacles or tents, would refer to one of two things, either military camps or refugee camps. But it's spoken in such a way and identified in such a way 
to make sure that we understand that this is not their home, that their dwelling is not their home, but that they are living in temporary settlements. So it speaks of the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites were most prominently gathered in the Sinai Peninsula, what we know as the Sinai Peninsula of Moab and the Hagarenes, Gebal and Ammon and Malachites and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher also is joined with them. They have hope in the, church, the children of Lot, Seda. Now here's where the prophet's ministry takes up. In verse 9, up until this point, it's just been kind of a general prayer request. But it changes some. In verse 9, do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the brook of Kisan, which perished at Endor, they became his dung for the earth. The Midianites were oppressors of Israel and had been oppressors of Israel for some time when God called Gideon. Do you remember Gideon was hiding from the Midianites and God tapped him to be the next leader? The Bible term is judge. And Gideon in his army of 300 defeated over 100,000 Midianites and they were taken off of the scene. They're never mentioned again as being a hindrance to Israel in any form whatsoever. And that's what the prophet here is prophesying that God will do to the oppressors of Israel. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera and as to Jabin, at the brook of Kisan, which perished at Endor, they became as dung for the earth, make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, lay all, yea, all their princes as Zeba and as Zalmunna. It's talking about different levels of society from the least to the greatest to be destroyed and taken out of the way. Verse 12, who said, let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. Oh my God, make them like a wheel as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth the wood and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with the storm. Fill thy faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high God over all the earth. Now there's something I want you to take notice of. 
the purpose for the enemies in Psalm 83, the enemies of Israel identified in Psalm 83, is to wipe Israel off the map. That is a part of the charter of the Palestinian terrorist group known as Hamas. But in Ezekiel 38, the Bible identifies a different purpose. And that purpose is to gain a spoil. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 11. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil and, and take a prey. Now, folks, I understand that as believers and as adherents to the word of God, we are to always be on Israel's side. But that doesn't mean Israel's done everything right and never made mistakes in their dealings with other countries and nations of the world. One of the things that Israel did wrong and messed up is by proposing a two-state system. They gave away God's promised land. And as a result, they've had thorns in their sides from these other groups, these other ethnic groups. And folks, all of terrorism is an ethnic attack Every terrorist attack that's ever been made against Israel or other countries either are those that are united by an ancestry against someone that's of a different ethnic leading or cause. One of the things... that is not in place, maybe the only thing that's not in place for Jesus to come back to the church. And I need to make a comment about that. We all generally think that if the rapture happens on Friday, then the next day starts the tribulation period. The Bible really doesn't say that. The Bible does tell us what the starting point of the tribulation is, which is this war of Gog and Magog, identified and referred to in Genesis, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. So we don't know whether the church is going to be here for the Psalm 83 events or not. It would make sense that we would be, but I don't think we've got enough information to make a conclusive determination on that. One of the things that 
exists now is that Israel is surrounded by terrorist organizations. And Israel is not living without walls. That's pretty well confirmed by the events that took place over the last week. And in Ezekiel 38 and 39, nations are talked about, kingdoms are talked about as coming in concert in war against Israel. But the Psalm 83 list doesn't include any of the ones that are identified in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now we have to take notice not only of the list of nations or the nations that made the list in Ezekiel 38 and 39, but I think we also need to take notice to the nations that are absent from the list. None of the Ezekiel 38 and 39 countries are included in Psalm 83. And if you looked at it on the map, the Psalm 83 coalition makes an inner ring of danger for Israel and the Ezekiel 38 and 39 countries are more of an outer ring. None of the Psalm 83 I'm sorry, none of the Ezekiel 38 and 39 countries have a border with Israel, but all of the Psalm 83 countries do, or terrorist organizations do. Again, the difference in the purposes or the stated purposes for the Psalm 83 countries or organizations are different from the ones that are identified in Ezekiel 38 and 39. The purpose for the nations involved in the Psalm 83 list is quite simply just to destroy Israel and wipe them off the map. The Psalm third or the Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine list is to take a spoil. Now we always think of because of the time that we've been here on the earth, we generally think of Israel as a, as Russia being a superpower nation with a strong economy. But the fact identified by the things that are going on in the Russia and Ukraine war point out 
just how feeble the Russian economy is. Now, the spoil that is identified here that the Gog and Magog coalition comes for has to do with gold and silver. In Ezekiel 38, verse 13, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take the spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, and to take away cattle and goods to make a great spoil? The things, the resources that have been discovered in Israel or Israel's territory is remarkable. In 2010, they found what's been identified as the third largest oil reserve in the world. Now, there are countries that are arguing with Israel before the United Nations and other global government agencies that don't agree that Israel has rights to the part of the Mediterranean Sea where these oil reserves are. God, however, is going by and will always go by the territories of the promised land that he established in Genesis chapter 15. The gold and silver resources of Israel has been estimated by gold discoveries that would multiply Israel by about 10 times economically. So Israel has already identified, been identified as having the resources that Gog and Magog and that coalition army will bring or come to, to take hold of. And yet it tells us that God will destroy the Gog and Magog coalition armies in a 24-hour period and bring against them not just events that will minimize their military power, but rather pouring fire and brimstone down upon the countries that will leave but a sixth heart as the scripture identifies so destruction comes down upon them in such a way that they're defeated within a 24 hour period and Israel's 
main opposition until the Antichrist takes place, takes position of power. So these things are taking place and winding themselves into a position where God's going to have to move in a miraculous manner in order for Israel to take, take hold of a great peace and be dwelling safely in a land without walls and cities without walls. So folks, there are some things that we need to pray and recognize that this Psalm 83 was given to us to reveal to us how to pray for Israel. We should pray for Israel to be delivered from their enemies. And these enemies I'm talking about are the terrorist organizations that surround them, surrounds the nation of Israel. that we should pray for the enemies of Israel to be defeated in such a way as the Midianites were. Now, folks, when Gideon was tapped by God to become a judge or a leader of Israel, as I said before, God gave him an army of 300 people. But if you remember, he had to weed them out in a very unique way as they drank from the brook or the waters that they came to. And God wanted it to be in such a manner so that they did not think that it was their military power or the size of their army that delivered them. And so 300 men defeated a Midianite army that was greater than 100,000. If you think that through, even the idea seems too wild to, to imagine. 300 people who had very little military training or experience defeating an army of 100,000 plus. But that's the result that the prophet Asaph is speaking to us or speaking through the scripture 
That's the kind of result that God can and has done in the past that Asaph is calling for God to do in the future. We've all got situations in our lives where we're using our faith, standing on our faith to receive healing for our bodies, financial provision, just the work of God in our lives and in our finances. But I believe we're coming to a day when we need to look a little further than just our own personal needs and put our faith on something that the Bible outlines for us. Again, Jesus said that the provision of faith or the operation of faith was whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith Let the enemies of Israel be as the Midianites were. Let the enemies of Israel be in the hands of God as the Midianites were. Defeated and destroyed from top to bottom. Now, we also have examples of how people turn their hearts to God as they saw some of God's judgment falling upon mankind. There are a lot of stories and miracle occurrences that took place in 1967 in the Six-Day War where God would deliver large companies of soldiers, Israel's enemies, and because they saw what they knew and could not deny was only the hand of God at work, that they laid down their weapons And in some cases, turn their hearts to, to God. We 
We can't ever lose sight that Jesus died for the enemies of Israel, terrorist organizations, just as much as he died for you and me. And God's got a plan that will deliver not, not only deliver his people, but will glorify his name and his mighty power. And touch mankind as only he can. Another way that we need to pray for Israel is that the Israeli leaders don't lose heart because the way that these terrorist organizations work, they carry out an attack against Israel. And then when Israel retaliates, they act like they hadn't done anything wrong and they're the victims. And that's caused many of the Israeli leaders in the past to stop their activities, their military operations against the ones who are there to wipe them off the map. The reason that Gideon was able to defeat the Midianite armies in such a total comprehensive way was that they did not lose heart before the job was finished. These are perilous times. But we need to pray for God's will to be done which clearly is identified by the prophet Asaph here in Psalm 83 so that Israel could live in peace so that the end of time should come. Let's all stand together. Let's just pray a quick prayer for Israel. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We see in your word that there is a peace that belongs to Israel that they have not yet experienced. We pray, Father, for the leaders of Israel that you would strengthen them and give them wise counsel so that these terrorist organizations could and would be dealt with and destroyed as you destroyed the the Midianites by the hands of Gideon.
Father, we see that the Gog and Magog war opens the tribulation period of time. But Lord, we come to you to bring peace to Israel as only you can. Do unto them as you did to Midian. Multiply Israel, their silver and their gold, their oil reserves, in every possible way, Father. Increase the strength of Israel tenfold. Now, Holy Spirit, we need your help to pray. We know what to pray for, but not as we ought. So, fish, sure, sure, I've been sure, I've been sure, I've been sure, 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 Father, we pray that you would quicken us by the Holy Spirit, that we would be oftentimes reminded of these things that your word shares with us and that we would pray for the peace of Israel along these very same lines. We thank you, Father, that you hear us. We thank you for revealing your plan to us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God's got some great things to do, to finish doing for the land of Israel. And I believe that many of these things will bring forth a great revival. Where the Israelites will be added to the family of God in a great and mighty way. Say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Well, folks, we'll take a few minutes and get prepared for the baptism. Stay with us if you can. If you can't, then have a great week. God bless you.